0: All right. we are in Mark 9, and I hope that you're taking advantage of this opportunity uh, throughout the week to read more uh, from this chapter than just what we're covering, because a lot of these chapters, especially now, are getting very long, and there's a lot of things happening, and we don't have the time to go into everything uh, in in each passage, in each chapter, but we're just grabbing a piece of it. And kind of, you know, trying to figure out what it is that we can learn from it. And I'm very excited about this passage this week. Um, I realized when I looked at it that it was a it's a, a passage that, that I talked on a couple of years ago, and I thought about could I could I do kind of a similar talk than I gave two years ago? And I thought, no, there's too many people that are too sort of, you know, actually, there's enough a few, a few of you be like, I've no idea, of course not. Why would I remember this at all? But there's a couple of you that I thought, if I said this, they would be like, you are such a, you know, cheater, and my, my you know, I just couldn't get away with it. So I looked at a different kind of portion of this, of this same section, and I'm very excited about what I'm going to be talking about tonight. So turn in your Bibles or open your phones or just look at the screen if you would like. Mark 9, starting in verse 14. This is our passage. And we're also going to watch a video of kind of a portion of this passage as well. It's going to be very cheesy and you're going to have to work very hard uh, to not, not laugh. But you can laugh. It's fine. It's just, it's a little bit cheesy. So, here we go. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the leaders and, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with him about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought to you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it up? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. So this is a scene that's recorded in not only in Mark, but also in Matthew and Luke. And um, we're going to watch this clip it's from a film that was done in the 70s. It's called The Jesus Film. This film has been translated into like 400 languages and shown all over the world. So uh, and it's only a portion of the scene. And just, I mean, it's, it's going, you're going to sort of be like, oh, this is, it's, it's. what's odd is you're watching a person have a seizure. Now, watching someone have a seizure is actually terrifying. I don't know if you've ever had that experience happen to you, but watching someone have a seizure, it actually is you know, it's, it, is, it is not a pleasant experience. That's part of what happens in here. And it's, again, a little bit cheesy, a little bit outdated. But let's watch it because I think it does a nice job of just capturing what it must have been like to experience this with Jesus. Let's see. Let's see this. Teacher! Teacher! I beg you look upon my son. Please, please help him. For he is my only child. I beg your disciples to cast it out. But they could not. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. So it doesn't include all every element of the story we have here, but it, it kind of captures that what it, what it might have been like in the same you know filmed in the same area. And um, I think it's uh, it's interesting to, to to think about. This is really this really happened. This isn't this isn't uh, just a story. You might have heard it a lot, but this really happened. And imagine what it would have been like to experience that. So. With this whole section, this whole passage, there's, there's, I wanna, there's three questions I think come up. There's more questions that could come up. But there's three questions that, that arose as I read it that I want to address. And I hope to answer them all as I go through it. So the first question is, uh, what do we do about Jesus' statement regarding this unbelieving generation? That's what he says, you unbelieving generation, what am I to do with you? That's the first question. The second question is, what do we do about this whole demon thing? Uh, boy, as a demon, how do we? What, what are we supposed to think about that? And, and you know, wh- where do we go with that? And the third is, uh, what do we do about this man who says he has belief, but he needs help? So those are the three things that we're going to look at t- tonight. So the first one is uh, Jesus' statement regarding this unbelieving generation. So, and I think the quick answer is that uh, the answer is that we Jesus commands us to believe him. It's simple but profound and uh trust Jesus even when we don't get what we want. So what do we do? Jesus I you could imagine like you you could have this idea that being a disciple of Jesus would be so exciting and thrilling and what a what an amazing experience except when you remember that Jesus said some mean things to to his disciples. Like he didn't have great things to say to his disciples. For instance, he called one of them Satan. Like that was probably not a good day. When you get called Satan by Jesus, like that's, and he was like, that's just not a great day. You're not feeling good about yourself. So, and then to be like, oh, he's teaching you all these things. And then you fail at this thing that you thought you were good at, casting a demon out. And Jesus says to you, calls you unbelieving. He says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Now, what we don't know is Jesus' tone. We don't know if he was like, you know, sort of like a pat on the back and like, oh, you unbelieving, you freaking unbelieving people. You know, like unbel- is, you unbelievable, unbelievers, you know. Or was he just, Was it a, just like a, a, a mild rebuke? Was it a strong rebuke? We don't know. Um, but I think the response is, and the thing that we need to uh, sort of take away And what we hear Jesus talking about in so many other places is just, it's just about belief. Now, we don't know what they were doing wrong. He asks them later, what was the deal? Why couldn't we get it out? He said, this can come out by prayer. So did, did they not even try prayer? Is that what happened? Were they trying some sort of incantation? Were they trying, you know, we don't know what it is that they were doing wrong, except that Jesus says there was a lack of belief that was going on. And so... So what does this mean? Does this mean that Jesus is saying we don't believe enough, we need to believe more, that we have to have, to we only have a little bit of belief and we need a lot more belief? No. In fact, Jesus said all it takes is a little bit of belief. He says if, if you have a belief the size of a mustard seed, which was the smallest known seed at the time, you can, you can move mountains. You can do miraculous things with just a little bit of belief, which seems to suggest to me that they didn't have belief at all. They were either trusting in their own sort of abilities to get it done or they were just they simply didn't have belief or they were believing in the wrong things and not in Jesus. So there are some Christians out there who would try to tell you that if if your prayers aren't being answered or if whatever it is going on that you don't believe and you have to believe more and you have to have you know in that uh, any if, if you ever hear even a hint of that You've got to go back to Jesus' words that it just takes a mustard seed-sized faith. So reject that. You're probably like that, that, that's something that is almost in a cult. If they're sort of blaming you, you don't have enough faith for your healing or your answer prayers, whatever it is. But we do have to believe. We have to have a simple and all-encompassing faith in Jesus. And I would say, even when it doesn't go right. Now, in this situation, it went well, right? It went very well. Eventually, Jesus came along and cast the demon out, and, and everything was fine. But there are situations in our life when it doesn't go well, and we are tempted to uh, sort of, we don't get what we want, and then we move on. Jesus says, you've, you've got to believe in me. You still have to believe in me. So belief in Jesus is, uh, is, it's simple. It's profound. We have to trust him even when things don't go the way we want it to go. So, and, and that's, you know, the cheesy line that I, I think actually is, is, can be helpful is that faith isn't faith except when it's all we have. So faith is simple when things are going well. It's easy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I got my faith. Whatever. When life is great, faith is easy. When life is hard, faith becomes hard. So faith doesn't actually become faith until we have to rely on it in a way that we never have before. And some of you haven't had difficult times in your life, and that's okay. You don't need to manufacture that. Those will come. But you do need to sort of tuck away when the difficulty comes. Maybe there will just be a little like ding, ding, ding bell that goes off in your head that says, Oh yeah, Siler talked about this. He said there will be a time when it will not be as easy for me to believe, and I will need to trust him more. And so we can sort of, you know, tuck that away for when it is difficult. So that's the first thing, is that, well, we do need to believe. It's simple, it's profound. Um, and this, this line that I read, is, it's, I, I think it's really a helpful one to close out, point one. Uh, I read someone in a commentary that says this, His majesty, Jesus' majesty becomes most visible when human resources have become exhausted. It is when we have been taken to the end of our rope, and we don't think we can go any further, that the majesty of Jesus becomes most visible. Again, you might not have gotten to that spot, but when you do, remember that that's when we have to trust Jesus. When everything is sort of falling around around us, that's when trusting in Jesus is the most important. So that's that's, that's the first one. That's uh, what we do about Jesus' sort of comment to his disciples about being an unbelieving generation. The second thing is about this demon thing. So we've, we've had a couple different things happen here, or, or um, uh, passages from Mark where we, where demons have, have come up. But I just want to take a moment to talk a little bit about uh, demons, because I've been in settings where... Um, people have have had sort of an overemphasis on demons, and I've been in settings when there's been an underemphasis, and the 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 best place is to be right in the middle. Um, C.S. Lewis famously said that there's you know there's the two equal and opposite extremes that we can go to. Both of them are dangerous about about uh, about demons. One is to to find them under every rock, and one is to believe that they don't exist. And neither of those are helpful. The best analogy that I have heard uh, one of my pastors in high school compared. Demons too, as he said, it's it's like it's like a, a like a like a mouse that you find in your house. Like you find you know, you, you, you wake up, you see some mouse poop, or you go in your garage and there's like a mouse scurrying around. Well, ma- mice are uh they're you know, they, they can destroy things and they can cut holes and stuff, and so you gotta you gotta get rid of them. So what do we do? We set little mouse traps and then they're gone. I don't go on a mouse hunting expedition, you know three hundred and sixty five days a year to rid my I just go, oh I got my sorry, we'll take care of it. Whatever it is, it's it's a it's like a it's like a pest and you take care of it. And you have as much authority over a mouse as we as Christians have over demons, because Jesus gives us that authority. So um yes, there's such a thing as a as a demonic world and there's a spiritual world out there. Um, and we can do you know one of two things. We can over-focus on, oh, what is this happening? What's going on? And there's this sort of looking into everything. That was, is that a demon? Is that what a demon? Is that a demon? And the other is to say, no, 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 no. It's not real. It's not, you know, it's not happening. But the answer to the question is that there is a spiritual world around us that we can't see. Jesus gives us power over demons. We don't have to be afraid of them. So I'm going to tell a couple of stories in relation to this that I think is, is helpful. And, and both of them are, are stories that I heard about this week that I think were really, you know, sort of helpful and providential, in fact, to talk about this story. So I was having uh, lunch with a, a pastor friend this week, and um, I told him an encouraging story I'm going to tell in a minute. And then, then he said, well, let me tell you an encouraging story. And uh, he said that he's a youth pastor And he said that uh, a girl came up, a ninth grade girl came up to him at the end of a retreat. And he said it was, it was funny because uh, she sort of, she didn't have a whole, I mean, she's wearing a mask, obviously, but she also kind of quiet. And he said, um, I thought the story had ended several times because she would like say something and then like the story is like, okay. And then she would kind of keep going. So the story is like this. She said, I wanted you to know this thing happened to me this week. Where I felt like God gave me a burden for a friend of mine. And then she'd like stop. And he'd be like, oh, oh is, that, is that? Okay, and then she'd tell the story. Like, yeah, so I went and I, I felt like God said, you know, uh, there's, you have a, I, I'm giving you a burden for your friend. And so she thought, well, okay, I'm going to go talk to my friend about it. And say, hey, I just wanted you to know that God uh, gave me a burden for you. And uh, I don't know if you know why that is. And she said, well, the friend said, yeah, I mean, my my, my dad is really mean to me and he's like verbally abusive to me. And, and the girl said, well, yeah, I think maybe that's why you're my burden. That's the language that she used. You're my burden. And the girl said, actually, no, that's not why uh, I'm your burden. Uh, I'm your burden because uh, every night recently, there's a demon that sits on my shoulder and tells me all the bad things that I've done and tells me sort of these terrible things and makes me feel terrible about myself. And it's hard for me to sleep at night. It's just, just, just burden on me. And, and, you know, we both are sort of talking about this, and both of us are like, you know, he's, he's like, like, I don't even know what to do with this. I'm not even sure, like, what's going on. But then the girl goes, oh, well then, yeah, that's why you're my burden. Can I pray for you right now? And the girl goes, yeah. And so she goes, which shoulder is it? And she says, this shoulder. So she reaches her hand out and she puts her hand on her shoulder. And she says, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out and to not bother her anymore. You have no place here. And then she was like, thank you. And then they went away. And then she said, and then she called me the next day and she said, uh, that really helped I was able to sleep. I don't have that problem anymore. And he said, I can't remember how much, how much time had elapsed since then, but she basically said, yeah, I don't have that problem anymore. So me and this guy are like literally both of us tearing up over our cheeseburgers in this restaurant. By the way, we were sitting six feet apart, just you know, just so you know. And, uh, and talking about these, you know, these amazing, this, 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 the power of God. And the fact that uh, there's this thing happening, and God sees what's going on and he says, that's, um, that's not okay. And so he, you know, this, this, this faithful girl in prayer is, is hearing uh, God sort of tap her on the shoulder and say, I want you to go, and, and, and just in the same way that Jesus gave authority to his disciples to go and take care of this, I want you to go and, and, and cast it out. In the same way that you'd know, be like, hey, you've got mice over here. Well, I know a good exterminator. I'll take care of it for you. But the, the compassion of god to make that happen and to to uh, take away this burden that this girl was carrying and we you know it, it raises and you know small group leaders are like thanks a lot Siler, because there's now 700 questions about demons your small group leaders don't know why so you're gonna how did she get the demon what's the demon for? The, yeah the point of your small group tonight is not to answer because there's a lot of questions about demons that we don't know just a lot. We don't know. We don't know where, like, why did this girl do this? There could be a hundred different explanations that there's something going on in her family, that there's something going on in her life, whatever it is. The great news is that we have power over them. And so when we encounter one, you go, oh, hmm, this might be something demonic happening. We get to pray for it in the name of Jesus, and it goes away. They have to submit, and that is the power of God at work in our lives. Now, this doesn't happen to me often. I don't hear the story a lot, uh, like I said, I don't encounter this. When I do, you pray and you move on. But the power of God revealed, I actually know someone who was raised, my very good friend, his son. So my friend Stephen has a son named David. And David grew up in the church. And when he turned 18, he said, hey dad, um, I've been sleeping around and smoking pot. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I've been living this double life. See you later. Devastating to my friend Stephen, Okay couple years later my this guy david this young man is at a church where he sees some sort of demonic like oppression lifted and he becomes a christian so the power of god and he's still a christian and it's like completely transformed his life but it was the power of god displayed in this thing happening that he couldn't explain any other way and realizing this life of you know sort of getting wasted and you know sleeping around and whatever like, wasn't doing it anymore. And he walked away from that. And he, you know, started following Jesus. And now he's married and, you know, following Jesus. But it was the power of God displayed and revealed in this power encounter, for lack of a better term. Second story, which I'll try to tell really, really quickly, is another sign of this spiritual world that is, that is happening all around us. I got a Facebook message. Facebook, young people, is this, is this um, uh, interface that old people like me use. Uh, anyway, Facebook. So I get a message on Facebook from someone that I have not heard from in probably ten years, and she says she's a former Shig student, and she asks me, "Are you still in touch with?" And she says the name of this guy who was a leader when she was uh, when she was in Shig, and I was kind of confused. You know, I was like, "Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still in touch with him." And I was like, "Said why?" And she said, "Well, I just felt." like I was supposed to be praying for him, and I just wanted you to know if somebody was in touch with him. The guy whose name she mentioned, we've all had a difficult year, right? If, if you had asked me to pick who of the people that you know has had the most difficult 2020 into 2021, who would it be? I would have, I'm honest to goodness, out of all the people I know and all the difficult people that, you know, difficult times people have had, I would have chosen this guy. He has had a really, really awful. Not just, you know, sort of pandemic, but in his marriage, in his uh, work life, like just terrible. And to think that someone who he hadn't talked to in, you know, probably about 10 years, who was just trying to follow God and hear from God and just, you know, be submitted to him, that God whispered into her ear, hey, I want you to lift him up. This, this, This brother of yours, I want you to lift him up in prayer. This thing's happening in the spiritual world. Why does it work that way? I I don't know. Why didn't God just sort of not make it so hard for this guy? I don't know. But he didn't. He allowed him to endure this trial. And then over here said, I want you, you know, my daughter, to be lifting him up. And... I mentioned this to him, and I, will, and I will say, I mean, like just this week, I was having conversations with him where he was saying, I just feel different. I, don't, I can't explain it, but I, I really, the, the, the pain and the difficulty and the sadness, I just feel different. Okay, <laughs> all I can do is believe that that is the power of God. There's a spiritual world happening all around us. I don't understand it. And we often sort of pretend like it's not there, but it is. And that's what I think one of the, the things that we're supposed to get from the story. You guys, in technology, the, other, the only other sort of analogy that I could use is that there's, there's, there's waves and things all around us that we can't see, right? I don't understand Wi-Fi. I don't get it. I, the first time someone ex- explained to me Wi-Fi, I was like, so you're, what you're telling me is I can just turn this computer on and it, just, it connects to that darn internet and I don't even have to connect it to no wires or nothing. That's incredible. Like, I don't get it. I still don't understand it. Uh, radio waves, television waves. There's just stuff flying through the air all the time. We can't see it. We know that it's at work because we turn on our phones and we turn on our computers and we turn on our television. There's all these things happening that we can't explain flying through the air. It's the same way with the spiritual world. There's there's amazing things going on all around us. God is at work. If If we are obedient enough to stop and to listen and to be aware of it, and that's, maybe that's something that you guys can talk about in your small groups. It's like, how can you just stop and be aware of the ways that God is at work in a way that maybe, you know, you're not currently doing that. That's number two. The, the third one's going to be a quick one, so we're running out of time. But uh, what do we do about this man who says he has belief, but he needs help? Well, um, the thing that I think we should be encouraged by is that— Jesus doesn't rebuke this man who confesses his unbelief. Um, I, I see myself in this guy. I don't know if you do, but I see myself in this, in this man. The phrase, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief, refers to me. I, I, I resonate with that. I'm so delighted that this is in the Bible because that's how I feel many times. I do, I do believe so much. But I don't always get it right, and I and I struggle sometimes with uh, with fully believing and f- and fully committing. and, and I, Am I sure that this thing's happening? And and I, am I sure that the, the, the truths of the Bible are, are 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 real? But Jesus takes this little mustard seed sized faith of this man, and He says, "Bring the boy to me." And that's honestly what I want to close this, leave you with tonight is that. Jesus says, you're unbelieving, and, and, and you're asking me if I can heal him? And, and, and he says, how long must I put up with you? And the answer to that is, he puts up with us for a long time, and ultimately he says, he says to the man, bring the boy to me. And he says to us, bring you Bring yourself, bring your, your, your pain and the inadequacy of your faith and your uh, just kind of mustard seed sized things, your brokenness, your frailties, your shortcomings, your fears and insecurities. Bring them to me. Jesus is enough. He's enough. And when we bring them to him, he says, I've got it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it yourself. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Trust me. Meet with me every day. Uh, have, a, have a relationship and community with others. And, and through this community that we're all a part of, as, we, as all of us bring our lives to him and our, 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 you know, our frailties, uh, we will find that Jesus heals us, that he's enough. That uh the spiritual world that's all around us, he will open our eyes to see the the world that that he wants us to to engage with. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are enough. Thank you Jesus, that you um, you say. Bring it to me. Trust me. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. You can bring your doubts and your fears. Bring them to me. So we do that. We do that, Lord. We come to you and we say, these are our lives. Take them and make them yours. We pray in your name. Amen.